Good morning. 8 through 12, if you can. Being found in appearances as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Beloved, it is wonderful to see all of you today. Visitors, you are our honored guests, and we're very grateful. I'm moving a little slow. We had our kids and grandkids at our house for an entire week for the Christmas season, and, of course, Grandpa has to be um, high speed with them grandkids. <laughs> but my age, you know, you feel it later, brethren, so if I'm, if I'm limping a little bit, that's fine. That's okay. We're going it's, it's, it's to – it's a good kind of hurt, isn't it? Um, them kids grew up so quickly, and then our grandkids, so it's really good to be able to be with them. Uh, we're going to be uh, ending our series on Christmas Unwrapped. Um, and, uh, brethren, over the past four Sundays, we've looked at the Christmas story, as we call it, in God's Word. We looked at how Mary and Joseph had to go up to Bethlehem for the census. We've looked at how this, uh, there was no room at the inn. And, of course, how Jesus was born in a stable and laid in a manger or a feeding trough. We've looked at how the angelic host announced his birth to the shepherds in the, fear, in the field and their great fear at first and then their tremendous joy and praise and celebration afterwards. Um, but brethren, the story of Jesus doesn't end with him lying in that manger. A lot of people would like to keep him there, as we're going to see in a few minutes, but, uh, but that's not where God would have him to be. We're going to look at two sections of Scripture today. The first one's going to be, um, if you were turning into Luke chapter 2, okay? I, I know I've got that one down first, and that, but 220, Luke 2, chapter 21 through 38. We're going to uh, read this and, uh, and make a few comments, okay? In Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 21, this is what the Bible tells us, okay? Um, see, uh, you say, well, we've been talking about the birth of Christ, and a lot of, lot of Christmas-type lessons leave it there, but the Bible does not, as we all know. Now, verse 21 says, When eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name uh, was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel, before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22, And when the days for their uh, purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, according to that what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Brethren, there was other things you could sacrifice to the Lord, but those two things were the least you could sacrifice if you were very, very poor. And so the fact that the Bible mentions that in reference to Joseph and Mary told us that they're not exactly what we would call well-to-do in a worldly sense. But anyway, verse 25, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the uh, consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came to the, in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the, con the custom of the law, 
Then he took him into his arms. Brethren, can you imagine holding God in your arms? And blessed God and said, You, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. Can you imagine telling a mother of a newborn baby that that was going to take place with her child? And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow uh, to the age of 84, she never left the temple serving night and day with fasting and prayers. At this very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Brethren, Jesus was circumcised eight days after his birth according to the command that God gave in Genesis 17, 12, and according to the law of Moses, which is given in Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3. It was at that time that he was given the name Jesus, the name that the angel had told Mary she would give him. And Mary herself had had, uh, had to be pronounced clean by the priest in accordance to the law again, just like every other Jewish mother. And there she presented Jesus to the Lord. And that's important because, brethren, the, these earthly parents of Jesus observed all the requirements of the Jewish law. They lived under the old covenant at that time, of course, and they were righteous, and so they were obedient to God and to his word, and they did exactly what he told them to do. And so then Luke introduces us to two people that are very, <clears throat> we almost read about them in passing, but to, to, to Joseph and Mary, this was very important. And that is Simeon and Anna, they were both devout believers. They were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Um, they were not among those who had rejected them. And so Simeon blessed God and then gave a prophecy to Mary concerning Jesus and about Jesus and herself. And he said, Jesus is destined to cause the fall and the rising of many in the country of Israel. Many people were looking for a political savior, a physical king to come and, and, and help them overthrow the Roman yoke and the Roman Empire and Roman bondage. And to people like that who didn't understand that Jesus said his kingdom was a spiritual one, they, it would result in their fall. To the Pharisees, those legalistic religious leaders who had twisted the scriptures in so many ways over the years, Jesus would result in their fall. But Simeon also said that Jesus was destined for the rising of many as well. So what do we learn from this, brothers and sisters? And this is the second part that we're going to be looking at in Matthew chapter 2, if you want to be learning there. We see, well, based on these verses that we're going to be looking at today, three things today. Number one, the wise still seek him. If you look in uh, chapter 2 of Matthew, 
and, and let's read together the first seven verses, okay? Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written in the prophet. And for you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means uh, least among the leagues of Na the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called to the Magi and determined for them the exact time the uh, star appeared. Okay, so brethren, um, the scripture says that after uh, eight days after Jesus was born, Mary to and Joseph um, did exactly um, by what the law said to do. Um, but brethren, they, they didn't know at this point that God was bringing another surprise that our way, and that is that wise men came from the east, and they come from a very long distance, as a matter of fact, to worship Jesus. These wise men, brothers and sisters, are not Jews. They're Gentiles. They're from the east. Probably, most scholars say Persia or modern-day Iran. They were magi. That's the actual word that we translate into wise men. In other words, they studied astrology and medicine and religion and, and, and a type of Eastern philosophy. They were kind of the scientists of their day. And again, history tells us that these magi usually traveled in very large groups. Um, even if there were just three of them, and we don't know that. We, uh, people make that assumption. The Bible doesn't say but even if, however many there were, they would have traveled, uh, they would have had a very large entourage of people that traveled with them, which were slaves and apprentices and other workers that, that, that would come along with them. There may have been 50 or more in this group. We often think there's three because they brought three types of gifts, and that's where we get that assumption from. But that's another thing that we should look at, brethren, because when the wise men came, they came from a long ways, and the Bible says they came to worship, and part of their worship was... They brought gifts to the Lord. Worshiping the Lord, beloved, is not just limited to our singing of the hymns and, and, and partaking of the Lord's Supper and, and prayers and all the things that we do here. Uh, you know, uh, the entire church service should be an act of worship. And so the songs that we sing and all those things, the preaching that we do is all good and well and right. But brothers and sisters, giving is worship also. Do you see it that way? When these people came to worship God, they brought some gifts to him. So these wise men say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, brethren, we've got to remember that Herod is an absolutely evil, extremely paranoid man that murders his own family to keep them from taking his throne. So he's not about to lose his power to this new king. And so he starts asking questions, and he says, where did you first see this star? And when he tells them, he being your typical politician, well, you go search for him, and when you find him, you come back and tell me so I can worship him too. And uh, verse 9 of our text says in Matthew chapter 2, and, and after hearing the king, they went there on their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where 
the child was. Brothers and sisters, the star went before them. In other words, the star was moving from north to south, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It moved and then stopped over where the young child in the literal Greek says now he was. So Jesus wasn't a baby anymore. He wasn't in a manger. He's now a, quote, young child. And at this time, the star led those wise men all the way from Persia or wherever it was. And they suddenly stopped over the house of Mary and Joseph where Jesus was staying in. And so they go in and they worship him. Verse 11 tells us that in Matthew chapter 2, after coming into the house, they saw the Christ with the child, I'm sorry, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their presence, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Brothers and sisters, uh, you know, this is what these people did. Isn't this amazing? They, they had traveled literally hundreds and hundreds of miles by riding camels or mules or walking or maybe a little of all of those. And, and when they come and see Jesus, they fall down and they worship him. You know what? We come to worship in the comfort of our air-conditioned cars and sit in a comfortable church building with comfortable padded seats here. Do we worship? Did you come this morning brothers and sisters, with an expectation to worship your Lord and your Savior? Or has it become rote? Has it become, well, this is what we do on Sunday morning? Brethren, you know what the wise men did as they worshiped God? They opened their treasures and presented gifts to him. Three types of gifts, and these are good, unique, because they could have given him all kinds of different gifts, but, but they gave him gold. That is a gift that was given to a king. And so it's presented now to the king of kings. Frankincense was a gift that was given to a priest. And the Bible says Jesus is our great high priest, who's the mediator between God and man. And myrrh was a gift that was given of somebody that was expected to die. It was used in the preparation of the death for their burial. So these were wise men, brothers and sisters. They came to seek the Lord. And wise men still seek God today. In fact, the Scripture says in Psalm 53, it is the fool who says in his heart that there is no God. These men saw God in the flesh, and they worshiped him. And wise men today still seek him. But you know what? The world still hates. Look at verses 12 through 18 of our text. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left on, uh, to their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still nine and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to feel what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Brothers and sisters, God warns the wise men, and they, then he warns Joseph. So Joseph, of course, listens and, um, and most likely, of course, uses the Magi's gifts of gold to pay for the 75-mile trip to Egypt. And then there, while there had to be living there and the cost of living and waiting for Herod to die. And you know what, brethren, as evil as somebody is and as powerful as they are, they still die. Amen? They still die. 
And that's exactly what happened. But in the meantime, Herod murders, as we see in our text, all the infant boys two years old and under in the town of Bethlehem and its vicinity, the Bible says. I, scholars have said that the number of boys killed in Bethlehem and, and that area was anywhere between 20 and 200, which I know is a, a, a big gap. But, but the point is, brethren, that is Herod is really no different than the rest of the world. The world still hates the Christ child. The world still resorts to murder to avoid what they perceive as an inconvenience to their life. Forty million babies have been aborted for this reason in our country alone. Mankind has not changed since the birth of Christ, or really since the fall of Adam. The world hates Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. And a lot of people ain't going to come out and, and tell you that way. They're not going to just say it that way, you know. They'll tolerate the nativity scene. But if Christ gets in their way, if he interferes with their selfish and sinful ambition, or if the gospel demands that they repent, or if his gospel preaches the, quote, intolerant message that there's no other way to be reconciled to God and be saved other than through his son Jesus, then problems start to arise. When you start talking to people about commitment and sacrifice and bearing your cross and, and, and living for God and putting him first in every aspect of your life, then all of a sudden he's no longer that baby in a manger. And people don't like that, Jesus. And brothers and sisters, sadly, I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about some people in, that claim to be Christians today. You ask them to consistently attend Lord's worship service like the Bible says to do, and they are offended by that. And so the world still hates. I believe that, that, that that's what's behind the efforts in our country to move Christ or any semblance of him from Christmas. We don't want it to be Christmas. They want it to be a holiday, or at the very least to keep him in the manger, right? But he didn't stay in that manger, brethren. He grew up and he died on a cross. And that's what he was born to do. He was born to die on a cross. He was born into this world to die for our sins. And there's the problem, right? Because the, the world don't like that. They don't want to have to acknowledge they're sinners. And so the wise still seek him. The world still hates him. But the good news, praise God, is that God still saves. You see, brethren, some people react to Jesus the way Herod did. Others respond in the way the wise men did. They're going to seek him out. Herod was afraid that Jesus was going to interfere with his life and his goals and ambitions. And if you want to be honest, he would have. Jesus would have demanded Herod to repent and to, return to, and to turn to God. And Herod didn't want to do that. He was his own God. He worshipped his own self. So Herod reacted with hatred and with hostility. You see, people don't have much of a problem with a baby in a manger. They're cute. They're cuddly. They're nice. You scratch him on the gut and say, goosey, 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 everything's fine. But they realize that baby grew up and that baby became a man and he became the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And he demands that they turn from their sin and their selfishness and to surrender their lives to God. And so he's a man whose very presence on the earth is a condemnation for sinful lifestyles and behaviors. Because if we were not sinners, Jesus would not have had to come to this earth. 
Luke 19, 10 said the mission of Jesus, that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He, be, he came because God loves us so much that he doesn't want to have to punish us for all of eternity in hell. So Jesus took our punishment on the cross, and he died for our sins so that we might have life everlasting. Now, beloved, to a lot of people, that's good news. To others, it's not because they want to continue to worship themselves. Other people are just indifferent. Christ means nothing to them. You remember Herod asked the priests and the scribes of the Jewish religion where Christ was to be born, and you know what? They knew. They knew. They quoted the exact scripture from the Old Covenant. It was to be in Bethlehem. But they never went to worship him. They knew the scripture that spoke of the Messiah, but their knowledge wasn't mixed with faith. As Jesus grew, the Pharisees rejected him. Most of the Jewish people rejected him. And it wasn't due to ignorance. But in our text, we see only a few Jewish people worshiping him, shepherds, and then a couple of devout believers eight days later, <clears throat> and then Gentiles who were led to him by the star, and they worshiped him. So where are we at this morning, brothers and sisters? And the lesson is yours. Wise men still seek him. You say, well, I do that. Do we seek him the way Matthew 6, 33 says? Because Jesus said, if you seek me, you've got to seek me what? First. Beloved, that don't mean Easter and Christmas. That don't mean in a convenient way. That don't mean when I feel like it. That don't mean when I don't have anything else to do. Wise men still seek him, and they'll seek him first. And they'll bow down before him. But brethren, the Bible says, according to our scripture reading this morning by Mr. Lloyd, that there's a time coming when every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. The atheist who denies him now will one day confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father in heaven. But these wise men were wise because they didn't wait for that day. They came and they set their hearts on Jesus and they bowed down and they worshipped him and they were willing to risk it all in order to worship the Lord. Are you amongst the wise today? Are you seeking him? Are you willing to do that? Let's be amongst that group, beloved, because those are the ones that's going to be in heaven one day for an eternity amen and we don't want anybody to miss that if you need to respond to the lord's invitation we invite you to come now while we stand and sing